Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, August 11th, 2021, and today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 77, the second paragraph, starting with Under No Condition. Today's readers are, and thank you, everyone, uh, Team Wednesday for your service, Susan S.H., Nancy C., Kelly D., Tenzin P., our newcomer greeter was Yvette, is Yvette L., and our host for our second unrecorded hour is Devorah S. The IDs for yesterday, share IDs for yesterday's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 17,525, that's 17525. And for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, August 10th, that was Tuesday, 10 a.m. meeting is 17,526. That's 17526. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Kelly D. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Kelly D. here from Indiana and the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Kelly. 
I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Tenzin. Mm, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York City. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, OA, uh, Overeaters Anonymous, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities, Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you so much, Tenton. All righty. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time, or you'll hear it a little deeper. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share... Press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 77, the second paragraph, and I'm going to ask Susan S.H. to go ahead and get us started. Thanks, Susan. Please go ahead. Thank you. This is Susan S.H., a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed, 
we stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. And I did read this this morning and looked at what it meant to me. And uh, yeah, gratified with the result can mean a lot of things. Um, <laughs> uh, one amends that, that comes to mind was, was with a brother. And, uh, and I admitted my wrong. And I said that I, I, I think I can do better than this, and, and I intend to try. And um, his reaction was good, but it was like, oh, yeah, well, I, I guess I noticed that. But uh, <laughs> So he was kind of agreeing. And I wasn't thrilled about that at first. It's the truth. Um, but the fact is, my goal is to clean off my side of the street and... Uh, stay calm, frank, and open to their reaction, whatever that might be. And uh, we're not in this to point out their wrongs. But I was gratified a few months later when he was so kind to me in return. Well, not in return, but in, in brotherly love when I needed him most of all. And if I had not bothered to clean off my side of the street and learn to love him again, I just don't think uh, I'm very gratified with the results. I'm blessed that I can, I can just be a sister and accept him as my brother whom I love. And this is a channel to open my communication with a higher power. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I hope that made sense. It did to me. Um, cleaning up our wrongs, not, an attempt, not attempting to fix anyone, but honestly clean up our wrongs and so get closer to a higher power. And that is the gist of what I recall from this, what I, what I see in this. And, yeah, I'm grateful and still learning. I pass. Thank you so much, Susan S.H., for getting us started. And now we're going to take some names. And although we greatly appreciate you sharing your experience, strength, and hope, uh, we ask that you step back to share every third day. So that means if you've shared on um, Monday or Tuesday, we ask that you let others share their experience, strength, and hope as well so we can hear from them. So who would like to share today? Shanna C. Reva P. Shanna C. Melissa Dara L. Melissa C. Dara L. Did you get Reva P? I did. Gotcha. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Christina J. Christina J. Jamie C. Irene B. Uh, Jamie, was it Jamie C? Irene B. Yeah. Got it. Irene B. I think that's a good group to start with. I could take one more. Anybody else? 
Going once and going twice? Okay. We have Shannon C., Reva P., Melissa C., Dara L., Christina J., Jamie C., and Irene B. Okay, Shannon, please go ahead. You're up. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for your service uh, and for being here and for all on the line. Um, this is Shanna C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eater from Tennessee. Um, very grateful for the reading. Um, uh, I was just going over uh, amends yesterday with with her, um, and uh, this is exactly what we were talking about <clears throat> and how we get to relive this. And one thing that really came to, came to my mind with this was how being calm, frank, and open is so important. Um, and I get to that point as a result of going through this, the, the prior steps is, you know, that, that humility comes from from, you know, being powerless, you know, over the food, you know, that's the, that's the symptom, that's the ultimate symptom of all my problems. And I can't imagine, you know, life with or without food. I can't imagine uh, not compulsive eating. I can't do it in my own power, you know, this, this kind of thing. And then, and all, you know, I would come to believe that there's a power greater than myself that can help me. Um, and I learned that through you guys. And then any life run on self will can hardly be a success. And that's the linchpin there. Um, and then go through that inventory and I see that after taking my third step and turning my will and life over to the care of God as I understand him, um, by making the decision to go through that inventory, fourth and fifth step, and then seeing how much I need to change and how I can't do it on my own and how those defects that, that, that I see in the inventory process are what caused my problems, um, and then in eight and in step eight, really seeing how that how those defects manifested in my relationships with people, and that has really helped. And so, to get me more and more humble to the point to where I can be calm, frank, and open by the time I get to step step nine, because I've had so much of a change happen already. And it talks about how um, uh, nothing can be accomplished until. We do so. I mean, I'm, I'm there to sweep, sweep off my side of the street, and so I know by this point I'm there. I, I'm there to confess my former ill feeling and express my regret, you know. And I'm giving them the opportunity. At least that's how I was guided through to give them the opportunity to let me know if there's anything else that um, I may have done or said that has caused some harm, and giving them the opportunity to share, and then asking them what I can do to make it right. Um, and even if they don't give me that kind of answer, I'm going to God and my sponsor and I'm, I'm living this amend out. And the biggest thing is by living in 10, 11 and 12, I'm able to more able, better able on a more consistent basis to remain calm, frank and open in all my relationships. Um, and that's, that's what I get to do today. Um, time. Thank you very much for allowing me to share and I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Shana C. Okay, Reva P., it is your turn, followed by Melissa C. Go ahead, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. So this whole amends process is about me changing for the better, not just apologizing here and there and saying I'm sorry a million thousand times and doing the same thing over and over. Um, but what strikes me so much in this paragraph is the words, no condition, never. Never. We will never. Um, and it's such a great reminder 
that in order to do these amends, I'm focusing on me and where I went wrong, um, but I'm not there to um, let the other person know how wrong they were. Their faults are not to be discussed. I'm not here to show how right I am and how wrong the other person is, even if they're wrong. So the focus is on me. The only thing, the only person I can change is me. And I get so trapped into, but you did this. Um, but you were wrong too. And it's such a great reminder. Never, never. It's not going to work. It's not the point of the amends. The amends is to focus on me, my side of the street, um, so that I can clear my channel and be right um, with my higher power. Um, and I like the business about being frank, um, open, calm, um, yeah, no drama, no story, just state, you know, what was the harm, my sincere regret, um, how I want to make it right, ask if there's anything else I can do. Like there's no story here, just very, very simple. Because when I get into a whole story, I lose the whole effectiveness of the amend. And more than just the verbal direct amends, for me as time goes on, the most important thing is my living amends. Um, and not to create more scenarios where I have to even make amends. And sometimes amends is about what I've done wrong. And sometimes amends is about how I didn't do something, how I didn't show up for somebody because I was so self-absorbed that I couldn't really focus on the other person. Um, but I like how it just like keep it really simple, focus on me, and don't start trying to take everybody else's inventory and show how right I am and wrong they are. So I am responsible for taking this action. I don't control the outcome, and the focus is just on me. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Reva P. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Dara L. Please go ahead, Melissa. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. I'll start my timer. Um, you know, I read this, there's like, there's something almost funny that we need to be reminded not to argue or criticize with the person that we're coming to apologize to or coming to make amends to, right, to change things with. And and actually, it's true that, like, I need to be told this because there's this immaturity in me that's just beginning to learn that life is not even Stephen. It's like, and and I think like, you know, I shared here with you guys, like I teach second grade and it's a very common characteristic of a second grade kid and of me that struggles with this concept that everything's not going to be fair, you know, which is honestly not even the truth because really I just want it to be favorable to me. So I only see when it's not fair, when it's not fair to me. And I have an eagle eye for others' mistakes, I, and I've learned, um, you know, through this process that fairness is not even my code. Evenness is not my code. It's love and tolerance, and I'm really beginning to learn this in the amends process. That's, you know, and, and like recently um, I've had this amend I had to make. I'm coming together with my siblings to make some decisions for my mom and her future, and in one of our conversations, um, I acted like a lunatic. I hurt my sister's feelings. I lashed out verbally. And when my brother 
you know, one of my brothers winced. I then attacked him. I was like, you know it's true. You know, and then my other brother, like, I, you know, I'm one of five. One of my other brothers made a face at me, and I went nuts on him for making a face. And, um, you know, I got off the phone or off the Zoom, and I realized I acted like a lunatic. And it didn't matter that my content, you know, what I was trying to express might have been true. The fact was that I acted in a way that wasn't aligned with my ideals. And I have to make amends for that. You know, I did. And I made it quickly to my sister, but I didn't realize I owed my brother the amends. And then when I went to them, you know, each one individually, my sister lovingly, she accepts everything. It was beautiful. One of my brothers, like, continued to school me and say, you know, I don't know who you think you are speaking to people like that. And um, I had to take it. You know, I didn't have to, I had, there was no place for me in that conversation to point out that I was right <laughs> about these decisions for my mom, um, because I don't know that I am, right? I have to be open to other people's perspectives, and that's what I learned in my amend. can't tell other people what they should do. I don't even know what I should do, you know. Um, but I know that if I, and I'm just closing up, I know if I make these amends and I sincerely want to change, there's hope that things can improve. And thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, Dara L., you're up, followed by Christina J. Go ahead, Dara. Hi, great. Thanks. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. Um, and I, I was thinking about the paragraph before the one that we just read when it talks about, you know, we go to the person in a helpful and forgiving spirit confessing our former ill feeling. Um, and, you know, I thought that that ill feeling meant I was supposed to tell people like how much I hated them, um, but that I'm a different person now, you know, and uh, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about, you know, all the character defects that drive me, like, you know, my selfishness and and all that. Um, and there's another sentence that really, you know, in the paragraph that we read today, that that is really hard for me as a compulsive eater. So I'll just kind of share about my experience with it. But simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. I thought that this was true. I thought that what, you know, that I needed, right, like me as addict, needed to make sure that I confessed everything I'd ever done to anyone I'd ever hurt, um, you know, so that I would not eat compulsively again. And, um, and I had a lot of validation for that belief, you know, I mean, it says it in the big book and, um, and people told me that, and I, I did a lot of damage um, in some of the amends that I made. I, I cheated on someone that I was in a long-term relationship with, and even though the big book tells us, you know, like not always to confess in those situations, I did that, and I broke this person's heart, and they ended up threatening to kill me and, and like having a gun. It was crazy. Like, it was crazy. It was just crazy, and so I think about sort of like me as addict, even the tools of recovery can be dangerous um, when I thread them through my own self-centeredness and selfishness and my own motives, you know, including the motive to never eat compulsively again. Um, and what I love about the big book is that, you know, 
it's based on the experiences of a hundred men and women who have recovered, you know, and there's so much experience, strength, and, and hope in these pages. And luckily, you know, we um, as recovering people in this program have access to hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, who have walked this path previously, including our sponsors, but sponsors aren't infallible. I've made many horrible amends on the direction of sponsors who didn't have experience, strength, and hope in certain areas, you know, and so I just think it's really important for me as a compulsive eater to know that, like, actually, I do this not just to save my own skin, which is important, but I do this to serve God, to be of maximum use to God and my fellows, to fit myself to be who God needs me to be. Um, and because, you know, and I don't want to hurt anyone today, myself included. And sometimes I don't know okay. how to make it. Thank you. Um, and I'll just wrap up. Um, and sometimes I don't know how to like make an appropriate amend that's going to free me while also being kind and loving to the other person. And so I need to go and get some suggestions around that. Um, and I'll pass. And thanks so much. Thank you so much, Dara L. Christina J. Followed by Jamie C. Go ahead, Christina. Good morning, Christina J. from the state of Washington, recovered for today by God's grace and mercy. Thank you for your service today and all, everybody on the line, great shares. Piggyback off Dara a little bit. Um, I'm here to do this to be of maximum service to God and my fellows. So the lines that really stood out to me today, we are there to sweep off our side of the street, and here we go, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. I have my four-step list where I see all the ways I had harmed, my jealousies, my affairs, my resentments against my father, my mother, my resentments against the music industry for not doing what I wanted them to do with me, um, just all of this stuff that bound me up inside for years, and yet I thought I was walking a path with God. I thought I was walking a path with God and that He was guiding all my ways. But what was in the way? What was in the way was all this stuff. And the four through nine, beautiful process to unveil, to uncover, to uh, do something with this stuff. And um, I give it away uh, in my fifth. I ask God to take it away from me. I say my seven-step prayer, getting ready to go out there and uh, do this, uh, get this list made and do this nine-step amends. Now, what am I going to do if I don't do it? I'm holding all to all this stuff that's in the way. God, grant me the courage to get out there and do this stuff so that I can have a worthwhile life. Nothing can be accomplished until this stuff is up and out of me, till it's aired out, till I give it back to the earth and let her bury it. I can't continue on in my life carrying this stuff around, and nor would I want to. So the courage to get out here and make amends and do this stuff, realizing now, we realize at this point that nothing can be accomplished until we get this done. Nothing worthwhile in our lives. We can't be of service fully to people if we're still carrying around this stuff, twisting and turning with it at night in our guts. So that, that line really stood out to me as uh, a real promise because it's uh, when we get this done, we're free. And it's just the top layer most times, you know, because more, I mean, stuff keeps coming up. We got that 10, 11, and 12 that will help us. But this is a beautiful paragraph, and if you're out there and you are you've got a lot of amends sitting there waiting to do, uh, you know, 
call your fellows, get get your prayers going, and uh, ask God to help you get these done because really, for me, nothing worthwhile can be accomplished in life until I'm free of this stuff. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you so much, Christina. Okay, Jamie C., followed by Irene B. Go ahead, Jamie. Hi, this is Jamie C., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Maine. Um, coming into this program, I was such a victim. I really could not see how I was going to do an inventory. I, I only could see where others had done wrong to me, not where I had done wrong. Um, and it wasn't until I really read the, through this chapter and I started to really look at, well, you know, being a victim, it, it was my identity, but I needed to let that go because it was killing me one bite at a time. Um, and it wasn't until I, I actually started to look through what are my faults, where have I been dishonest, where have I been self-seeking, where have I been selfish, where have I been fearful, that I realized that I really did have a part in all of this. I had a choice in this. I didn't have to be a victim. I could let it go, and it was it was going to be okay. I could be myself and not be a victim. Um, so this this chapter really it, it really saved my life, to be honest. Um, it's changed. This, this paragraph in particular, you know, sweeping off my side of the street has changed how I look at life, how I deal with others around me, how I interact with my peers, how I interact with my family. Um, it's just really been amazing, this, this process for me, and I'm so grateful that I'm here and that I have finally found the solution to my problem, you know, my problem being I didn't know how to handle the emotions in my life. Um, yeah, this is, I just wanted to share that today that Wow, you know, I am recovered. I am no longer a victim. I am no longer a slave to the food. And uh, it's wonderful. With that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Jamie. Okay, Irene B., it's your turn. You will be up, and then we'll take some more names. Again, we're on page 77, the second paragraph. Okay, go ahead, Irene. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. I'm Irene B. I think I'm a recovered bulimic in uh, Louisiana. I was always a victim. And then uh, God relieved me from bulimia. And and I worked away and I came to vision. And I improved my connection with my higher power. And then I went from being victim to being victorious. And then on October 17th of last year, 2020, um, I went to my mailbox and there were divorce papers in there. The day before I had talked to my husband, love you, honey, love you, talk to you later. And then, so what's up? And um, I knew I needed to make amends to my husband, but it was very difficult to determine how to make amends to this person who um, was abusive, disrespectful, abrupt, and treated me like I was dog poop in his shoes. But I know that I had a part in our failing relationship that I didn't know to what extent, but... um, but I knew I had to make amends because that's what we do. 
And uh, I didn't really know why I was making amends. And it's to be of maximum service to God. It's like, no, that was not my motive. My motive is I want to do this program right because my life depends on it. And why am I doing it? I don't know. I wish I would have paid attention to that a little more because um, because I've been desperate and drowning in pain from self-loathing, self-hatred, self-recrimination, and at the same time trying to not be a victim. So I did make amends to my husband, but my amends to him even though I did not know the extent of of his disrespect and disregard for me, was that I enabled him. I, uh, what's the word? I can't think of another word, but I enabled him to abuse me by not standing up for myself more assertively. And really strange thing. I thought he was going to get pissed as hell. And he didn't. Instead, he said, you know, maybe, maybe I, I didn't realize how harsh I was. Maybe I was harsher than I realized. And it's like, duh. And mm-hmm. it sounds like that's my time. But that was my amends to my husband that I did not stand up to him sufficiently and enabled him to be an abuser. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Irene. Okay, so again, we're on page 77, second paragraph. I'd like to take some more names, if you haven't shared on Charles whether you're teaching. Charles, okay. Well, Rachel P. Rachel, okay. Anyone else? Don't be shy. We need to hear from you. Okay, Charles H., Rachel P., we're going to go with you two for now. All right, Charles, you're up. Please go ahead. Thank you very much, Amy, for your service here, your uh, trusted service. You're a trusted servant. I really appreciate you. Um, So, Ebby, Ebby, in a talk that I, that I heard on um, YouTube, it, he talked about painting. You know, Ebby was crazy, dude. I could identify with Ebby. I did a lot of that. Um, you know, and, and, and part of his art, you know, I'm making the, the reference to painting, was he carried a message to, to Bill W. Um, in the Charlestown's Hospital with a book under his arm. I don't know what arm it was, but it was a variety of religious experience. And he carried a message to Bill W. Um, I'm going to tie it in. I'm going to make it make sense. I'm going to let it do what it do. Um, But as soon as he stopped painting, then uh, his life deteriorated. So my thing is I need to continue to paint. Matter of fact, it talks about sweeping off our side of the street. I'm at work right now. I'm a superintendent for two buildings, and I'm currently sweeping. And, you know, sometimes I sweep real good, right? So, like, I, I sent a, a – um, and, and I just finished reading on my way to work the audio, not reading, but listening to The Man Who Mastered Fear. And all he talks about is the, the AA program and doing it scared 
anyway, right? Like, because I know Bill W. and Bob and all those, the good old, good old boys, they did a lot of things scared, right? Because I'm not going to outgrow fear just because I read page 60, those three paragraphs from the bottom of 67 and 68. Like, I got to continue to do things even in the emotions, right? So I got to keep sweeping. I'm so, I'm so glad that Ebby painted and he didn't stop painting. And it just gives me a lesson years, decades later that I need to continue to paint and the picture can get clearer and the picture can be better if I continue this process. This ain't no one and done. This ain't no graduated. This ain't no I'm so recovered, because if you really check it, you know, recovery is a daily reprieve contingent on my maintenance of my spiritual growth, like doing 10 steps and, and, and working with people and, and, and praying and, and, and having quiet time. So my message to anyone, I don't care how long you've been here, how much times you moderated, how much times you did special editions, keep painting. Keep painting because the masterpiece is not finished yet. Or keep sweeping too because we can get this place uh, cleaner than we have it right now. So with that, I pass. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Charles. Thank you so much. Rachel P., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Rachel P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I live in Denver, Colorado, but I'm currently in Pennsylvania. Um, this process, this immense process, for me, is about, it's so much about being the bigger person. You know, and, and it asks us not to criticize the other person. And so when I when I read that phrase, that's what I understand is that I have to be the bigger person. And before working the steps, you know, this notion of being the bigger person would create resentment in me. Um, but because I've done the foundational work of steps one through eight, leading up to step nine, I have a higher power I can draw on so that it's different now. That when I, when I make an amends, when I clear off my side of the street with calmness, frankness, and openness, I'm doing this to release my resentment. And I, I set aside any criticism of the other person. I'm, I become the bigger person here because I need to set aside my resentment. Um, and and it's such a miracle that that I can do that and I can be the bigger person and I can draw on the serenity prayer and the help of my higher power. You know, acceptance here that, you know, this person isn't going to react the way that I might anticipate that they'll react or the way that I want them to react. I can accept that. I can have the courage to make the amends, um, to make the apology and the ongoing behavior change, um, which is the amends process. And then I can have the wisdom to know that it's not my role to criticize. It's not my role to point out, you know, all the things this other person did wrong. Um, and I can move forward having set aside that resentment. Um, and so, so for me, calling on that serenity prayer over and over again in this process, maybe it's sometimes necessary. And, and guess what? You know, nine times out of ten, the other person responds in kind with calmness, frankness, and openness. Um, I can think of one person in all of my, you know, 30 or so amends that um, it didn't go well. And it taught me something. Um, in hindsight, 
I probably shouldn't have done the amends and, and I, I should have leaned on the guidance of, of my sponsor and really talked that through because this is somebody who was abusive to me. Um, but I learned, I learned this lesson of being a bigger person thanks to that experience. And um, I understand more clearly and with more depth now what this process is all about. Um, and it, you know, it really starts with um, the foundational work of steps one through eight and then having that courage take that action and, and just make those amends, get them done. Thanks, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Rachel. Perfect timing. Okay, who else would like to share on what was read? We're on page 77, second paragraph. Please chime in. Craig, yes. Craig. Gotcha. Claire. Anybody else? Claire. Claire. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Thanks, thanks. Joanne W. Joanne W. Probably one more. Aussie. Aussie. Did I get yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. Initial. Do you have your last name? Uh, last name P. P. Okay. Mm-hmm. All righty. We have Craig F. Claire E. Joanne W and Aussie P. Go ahead, Craig. You are up. This this is Craig F. Did you call me? I'm I'm meeting. Okay, great. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, uh, Thank you for uh, your lead today. The uh, um, you know one of the, the two. There's two words that come to my mind when I think about this preparing to make amends make amends and that's uh, perspective and proportion uh you know most of the time i have uh I, well i have my own perspective and i see things uh proportionally different than than say somebody i've harmed uh you know i i see things i did to them as uh not very uh important and i see things that they did to me as extremely important you know i I see it out of i see it out of proportion because of my perspective and uh you know in in uh the acceptance chapter we used to call dr alcoholic addict the doctor talks about his magnificent magnifying glasses and how he uh, uh saw the things that his wife did to him and they magnified him and then the glasses uh, minimized the things that he that he was doing and he had to turn his glasses around uh he had to turn those magnifying glasses around and uh, uh you know that's part of the process here is we're turning these glasses around uh it doesn't really it you know it was such a tripping point for me uh, why should I make amends uh, to that person that harmed me? It was so much more important what they did than what I did, and, and yet, yet it wasn't. You know, I can't, uh, I can't recover uh, worrying about whether somebody else owes me an amends or not. It doesn't help me. Uh, it, it is uh, simply a uh, an excuse for resentment. Uh, I recover because I. Uh, clean up my side of the street and I, I recover because I've turned those magnifying glasses around uh, 
and and I said, this is what I did. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. This is what I did. And so, you know, one of the disciplines that uh, that that we learn that I that I, I know that I talk to my sponsees about a, a lot is that um, uh, you know when you're going to go to somebody, there, there's a format, a, a, almost a form that says. Uh, I did this. You don't start out saying, you remember when you did this to me and I hurt you back? Because then all you're doing is making excuses. You say, I did this. I'm sorry. Uh, here's what I'm willing to do to make amends. And is there anything else? And if I can keep it along those lines, um, it, it becomes uh, productive. And I, I come out of it uh, with a cleaner spirit. And uh, a better connection to God, and and it also repairs the relationship with other people. And if I can keep my perspective uh, on the truth yeah. and my my uh, proportion uh, from uh, controlling me, then uh, I'm better off. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. Claire E, you're up, followed by Joanne W. Go ahead, Claire. Hi there, my name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in the UK. Um, yeah, thank you for this paragraph. It's um, it's always, I always feel a little fraudulent when people start talking about amends. And I think it's because I had no massive, dramatic, I did a lot of stealing. I had a lot of paying back to do. Um, but most of the amends were very much behavioural ones with my nearest and dearest. Um, uh, but having said that, I was looking at the paragraph before and looking at someone we hated or resented. And I certainly have plenty of those resentments. And um love that chapter that was just referred to you know a lot of my eating was blamed on those around me you know if they didn't do this I wouldn't feel like that and um you know what came to me as a sort of reading this paragraph today is thinking that it's so important for me to have done my process of step four five six and seven here to really look at those resentments really look at what it is that's objectionable in me you know what what is it in me that, that causes me to be like that and get into step six and seven um and really bring that before i go to do my amends because i need to see my part very clearly um and you know with my husband for example you know i, I like to blame him and he certainly has got plenty of faults um but you know i was very critical i was very judgmental I was um, very quick to react. I was very short-tempered with him. I was very controlling. Things had to be done my way or the highway. And, you know, to live with someone like that, you know, as, as my sponsor pointed out, you know, do I find that objectionable that I behave like that towards someone I allegedly love? And yes, I do. And so it makes me, um, you know, get to step eight with a lot more willingness to really look at what my part is. You know, what is my side of the street? going to change that and also just an apology is all in the process but the amend the amend is actually changing my behavior from that point onwards and you know how am I going to do that how am I actually practically going to start doing things differently with him and you know it was explained to me as well I need to make an approach I need to make a special time for these um, amends which I did and I think that's you know comes to it with a bit that says it's on manner is calm frank and open you know I need to be unhurried I need to be you know somewhere that's not going to be interrupted Definitely, definitely need to take my higher power into it and pray and meditate before I make that approach. Um, and it gives us really good instructions here as well. You know, we simply tell them that we won't get over. I won't get over my overeating, my bulimia until I've done my utmost to straighten out the past and change, change how I am. Um, and stick 
Uh, Aussie, did you mention my name? I did. Please go ahead. Hi, my name is Aussie. I'm a um, compulsive overeater from Los Angeles. Um, I just always hear my sponsor's words, which is, bless them, change me. This is about my journey and my changing myself and making, focusing internally. It's an inside job. Um, I know my eyes face outwards, so it's really easy for me to want to look at what somebody else is doing. But this is about turning turning my eyes inwards and looking at my part and the way in which my behavior has impacted others. And it's not about my intention. It's about the impact my actions have. And um, because if I focus on the why, then I'm justifying and I can stay in the resentment and then I'll stay in my disease. And this is truly about cleaning up my side of the street and recognizing that I've caused harm um, and I've hurt people. And, you know, the apology isn't about, for me, I I go in um, eyes wide open. You know, it's not so much about what I'm going to get from them. It's not, and and that's okay. It's about making things right for myself so that I can then live in alignment and live in my ideals that I know God wants me to be. and that's been challenging. I had to make, I had an affair and I, you know, my children found out and it was a really, really challenging time. Um, and what I get to do today is I get to live honestly. I get to, and I had to make amends to them. I had to apologize without blaming their father or justifying my actions, but just really own my side of the street. Um, and that's what this is about for me. Um, and being open to the possibility that there are things that I may not see about myself. And so when it says stay open, I'm staying open to the possibility that, you know, maybe there are things that I can't see. I have blind spots. And to be receptive to that, um, to try it on, uh, not push back so quickly and get defensive. Um, and when I do those things and when I, act that way and I act according to the way to the ideals that I know that God wants me to be um, I'm free um, and I get to model a different behavior and I get to model and be a different person today and um, you know again it's just bless them change me this is about changing my life and my behaviors and making it right on my side of the street I'm not here to take their inventory or to tell them how to be different. That's not my job. And and when I stick to that, I'm okay. Um, and I'm able to repair relationships by living this way. And it's a miracle that I'm able to do that and that I can have a new relationship with my children having done something that was extremely painful to them. Um, and so... That is the miracle. That is that is what this program has given me. Um, and when I follow oh. these steps, um, it's a roadmap for me of how to live life, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Aussie. What a great way to take us out. We're going to wrap things up now. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. 
The Share ID for today, Wednesday, August 11, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Vision for You meeting is 17,535. That's 17535. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Nancy C. please read that for us? Thanks, Amy G. Another great meeting. Nancy C. recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.